Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another edition of If You Smell What the Arch Is Cooking. I am your host, Archie Mitchell, and this week I have another special guest. No, it's not Nate Maxim this time. It is the CEO of Mark's Indie Spotlight, Mark Brew. Mark, welcome back to the show. Well, I appreciate the opportunity to come back, and you know, I'll jump back through that barbershop window. <laughs> <laughs> Now, see, we were supposed to talk about this last night on the We Can't Wrestle podcast. You and I are not the rockers. You and I are more like a demolition who never actually broke up. So I would never throw you through the barbershop window. I'd maybe just look for a crush somewhere. You know, uh, as, long, <laughs> as long as we both remember helmet on for the entrance. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so tonight, ladies and gentlemen, Mark will be joining me as we talk about, as you know, Back to our normal programming of NXT, AEW Dynamite, and NWA Power. Um, just a listener's note, though, NWA Power, not that great this week. It had a, it, like, I know it's a short show, but it had its moments right. where, like, certain stuff was good, but, oof. If, if it stays on this track, I may have to take it away. And add something else. I don't know what that's going to be yet, but we're going to give it until NWA 74 because I'm interested to see what they do at that show, uh, along with all the craziness that's been going on with Nick Aldis. I'm sure. I'm sure Billy Corgan has something in his back pocket for that show, other than Matt Cordona. But uh, that's a story well, for I mean, another day. He he needs to go ahead and pull it out of his pocket on his weekly show to go ahead and make that action. I agree. No I stuff. agree. So, go ahead. It, by the way, it was a great week for wrestling in general, though. Um, we're going to get into it big time with, uh, you know, talking a little bit about Raw, SmackDown, um, AEW, and NXT. So, go ahead, crack open your favorite frosty beverage, strap on in, and get ready for a wild ride as we go into our first segment, which is always quick hits. And, Mark, first quick hit, Dana Warrior. The widow of the Ultimate Warrior is no longer on the WWE creative team. Thank you, Triple H. Because, in my opinion, Dana Warrior really didn't do anything except for help to pick out who was going to be on the who was going to be the Warrior Award recipient at the Hall of Fame. Hmm. I, I'll put it like this: like all these people that they been hiring and firing, I think it's it's steps towards making wrestling tolerable again. I agree. Because, like, certain people just shouldn't be make, making decisions because they call right. really bad finishes and stuff, but my opinion. No, I agree. In my opinion, Dana Warrior did not need a seed on the creative team. Hell, you want to put somebody on the creative team that has actual roots in this business, give Vicky Guerrero a job on the creative team. You know what I mean? If we're hiring widows of past great wrestlers, you know what I mean? It yeah. just doesn't make any sense that Dana Warrior had a job there, but I guess that was Vince's soft spot where he said, you know what, come on, Dana, join the company. I don't really remember anything of worth that she did, though, so I can't say she hurt or helped in any way, 
but I'm just happy to hear that she's no longer affiliated with the creative team. Yeah. So, number number two, WWE Raw scores a 2.23 million viewers this past Monday night on Raw, which makes it the highest rated episode since March 16th of 2022. That's right. The last few months, Raw has been in the toilet, barely gaining 1.5 million viewers. So to get this kind of a jump up, Mark, they must have done something right. Well, I mean, a lot of people who weren't kind of tuning in are, are now turning their TV back to that channel on those nights to see what Triple H is going to do. Exactly. And, you know, him and Stephanie pretty much at the helm of the company now. Right. And the good part is, is this is going to allow to bring some of those main fans back that maybe tuned out a year ago or however long ago and allow them to see a good quality product because Monday Night Raw, we had Seth Rollins with an incredible promo and then a great matchup with Montez Ford. Montez Ford was made to look like a star on Monday Night Raw. Uh, The women's matches were actually coherent and made sense. And the segments that we saw on Monday Night Raw, all the way leading up to the main event, were fantastic. I mean, Mark, let me ask you a question. If this was a month ago, before Vince retired, would you guess that Tommaso Ciampa would have won the main event on Raw over AJ Styles and earned a shot at the United States title? Not for not because of the way that it was booked. Like, right. like I wouldn't like what I'm saying is the way it was being booked before. You would expect them to put AJ over, but right. like the natural talent that Ciampa has, you see he's got that he's he's got that it factor. Right, exactly. So does it surprise me that he that they you know put him over? Not really because no, he's athletic and he's got great ring psychology and. Damn good promo. Uh, if, he, if if they keep putting him in those spots to do the things that we all know he's capable of doing, future Hall of Famer. I agree. Tommaso Ciampa, dating back to his Ring of Honor days when he was just a mid-carder, was fantastic in the ring. They bring him into NXT. He finally starts speaking. Him and Johnny Gargano have a great tag team. They have the meltdown breakup after two years of teaming with each other. A great series of matches that were better than each one. And then he finally started to talk on such a level that was storytelling. It was what it's supposed to be. And I I commend whether it's Triple H or whoever's on that damn creative team now who finally got their head out of their ass and said, you know what, give Ciampa a chance. Let AJ put him over. Let Ziggler put him over earlier in the night. Let him fight Lashley. I hope, what I'm hoping, Mark, is is that we get at least a 20-minute match next week when he fights Lashley. Because if they're just going to let Lashley burn through him, well, then, holy hell, why do this then? You know what I mean? It makes no sense. The logic that the company was being ran with before was, and I, I guess it was, well, we're just going to put it out because we've been the conglomerate on wrestling 
right. for so long that it don't matter what we put out, people are going to tune in. And then they started seeing that decrease in ratings. They were just throwing shit at the wall to see what stuck. Right. Now <laughs> there'll be method, methodology to it. I hope so. I know you hope so. I know Nate Maxson hopes so. Um, <laughs> and fans, um, if there's anything that you've been enjoying about Monday Night Raw, go ahead and hit up the Facebook page, the We Can't Wrestle podcast, and let us know what it is you've been enjoying so far. Is it the returns? Is it the storytelling? Or is it just the wrestling in general um, that has been going on already with the last couple of weeks of Monday Night Raw and what we saw at SummerSlam? Quick hit number three. And this is one that I'm going to make me go on a tirade. So I'm going to let you talk first and then I'll say whatever I got to say. <laughs> Vince Russo accuses Triple H of booking for the Mark fans and says that Seth Rollins and Montez Ford was a trash match. Well, this is coming from the creator of the Brawl for All. That's all I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so. Okay, so you're gonna throw me under the bus and make me go off. Okay, here we no, go. No, no, no. Like, I'll, I'll, I'll comment more on it. I was just, you know, no, I agree with you on that one. No, but uh, like Vince Russo, shut the fuck up. There's a reason Thank why you. you're not you're not in that position, right? Because you know, you're gonna do some retarded shit that's risque and. <laughs> the networks all start pulling out from the products. You shut your mouth. <laughs> this is the same man who last week said that if Stephanie McMahon or um, Tony Khan called him to come be their head booker, he would say no because he doesn't want to work for them. He needs to keep his opinions to himself because in addition to being the creator of the Brawl for All, Vince Russo, you gave us Judy Bagwell on a poll and Viagra on a pole featuring Shane Douglas and Ric Flair, two of the greatest in this business that have ever done it. You made so many guys turn face and turn heel that by the time they actually turned back around, their ass was where their head should be. You have done nothing but been a cancer to this business and have ruined everything you ever helped to create in the Attitude Era. Montez Ford and Seth Rollins was a fantastic matchup that was worthy of a pay-per-view. It made Montez Ford look like a million dollars. And Seth Rollins is probably the best thing in the WWE right now without a belt around his waist. You understand? So for Vince right. Russo to say that that was trash booking and only for the Mark fans, Vince Russo, you're a Mark because you don't know what a Mark fan actually is. Okay? we've been. I know personally I've been watching this business for 30 years. Okay, I was nine years old when I first started watching wrestling. And I marked out seeing the Ultimate Warrior and, and Hulk Hogan. I mark out when somebody returns that deserves to be back in this business. I mark out when there's a moment that deserves my respect. You, on the other hand, Vince Russo, don't have any respect and don't deserve any respect. And I know you're not listening, but if someone ever tells you that I said this about you, in the words of my friend Aaron Maxson, Vince Russo, sit on a dick and go fuck yourself. <laughs> Number four <laughs> Tony Khan promotes Sanjay Dutt, QT Marshall Pat Buck and Tony Schiavone to a talent relations team to help deal with the backstage uh, you know, fallout from different wrestlers who need to speak to him directly and hires Madison Reigns as a coach for the women's division now I like this 
Because let's face it, Tony Khan has not been in the wrestling game that long. Doesn't know how to talk to wrestlers the way that he, that a wrestler knows how to talk to wrestlers. You know, to, to actually speak their language. We all know what happened with John Grisham and a couple of these other guys saying Tony's never around. So I think having guys that have been in the business as long as a Pat Bump or a Sanjay Dunn or a Tony Schiavone will help mediate that and maybe get the right words said and get a better understanding of what these guys want so Tony Khan can deliver. I agree. But my biggest, I, I guess I'm a, I'm kind of a, already going to do a grind my gears because my biggest Great. problem with my biggest problem with Tony Khan is he kind of works from a fan's perspective. Right. Like you, you got to at the same time be the puppet master, but know your fans and know what they want to see. Don't book don't book your buddy to go over just because you like the guy. Right. I agree with that. I think Nate Maxson puts it the best possible way, Mark. Tony Khan is like a figure collector or a child bringing his figures out to play every week. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? He picks out his favorites, puts them on the table, and then decides who's going to do what. And that, that's the way that he gets his booking done. But I think with a guy like Tony Schiavone, who knows how to, you know, actually put a show together because he's been around it so long, Sanjay Dutt and Pat Buck. I've met Pat Buck 20 times. Great guy, great booker. And QT Marshall, who, when he's not wrestling, is actually a decent backstage hand. Um, I think they're going to be able to get the job done um, for the most part. I'm not saying they're going to be um, you know, uh, like the Stooges, Gerald Briscoe and, and, you know, Pat Patterson, or even like the guys that are back there now. But I think they'll be able to help guys get their point across to Tony a little bit better. And maybe we won't see so much gushing and hugs and things like that. You know, never know. <laughs> Someone, I don't know if you listened to last week's show, but Nate Maxson said that someone left a comment that the reason the Ring of Honor world title match went on so so quickly and at first was because Tony Khan couldn't wait to, to, to hug Cesaro. Yeah. <laughs> Is that all your quick hits? Or, or I got one more left. left. One right. more left. Number five, at the ending of SmackDown, we saw the return of Karrion Cross and Scarlett to the WWE. Both were very unjustly fired a few months back. They floundered. Cross had a tryout with AEW. Then he went to the Control Your Narrative group uh, with uh, EC3 and Braun Strowman. Uh, we saw him on the Ric Flair's last match telecast. Congratulations. Karrion Cross is one of my favorite big men in the business right now, and he deserves to be back. And Scarlett Bordeaux is a smoke show, so she deserves to be back as well. Yeah, it, it, all them budget cuts and all that. Uh, it's funny that now that Vince is going to make a find the money that, hey, we're going to pay, pay you guys and it's going to be lucrative. Come on. Well, hey, $14 million of hush money kind of got brought back out. So, you know. Right. <laughs> but um, as a whole, SmackDown was good as well. Um, saw a good woman's, uh, I guess it was a battle royal or. 
you know, like, um, um, I don't know, a turmoil match where once you pinned your opponent, another one came out. Shayna Baszler won it. It's nice to see her get a small push and be challenging Liv Morgan for the title. Liv, Liv Morgan almost got booed out of the damn arena during SmackDown because the fans are not buying her as champion right now. Um, you know, a lot of great matches, though. That's what I'm enjoying. We're seeing storylines develop. A storyline is now developing with Sami Zayn being thrown out of the bloodline, even though he was never really in it. Um, you know, I, I think SmackDown was a solid show as well this week. Uh, one thing I will say, though, and I put this out on Facebook earlier today before we recorded, Triple H is bringing all of his NXT children home, and I like that. Yeah. So, it, it's enjoyable. Yeah, well, I mean, he knows how to use them because he, he helped build them. Right, and they trust him. So he knows if uh, they know if he tells them something, he's gonna he's gonna actually do it. I'm gonna throw a, a bonus quick hit in there. Go right ahead. Uh, the Tate brothers, the, the yeah, the Tate brothers have uh, signed with Ring of Honor. Yes, they have. Congratulations to those two young men. They do deserve it. And I think that's one you're definitely gonna want to watch. You know, oh yeah, they they'll probably pop up on a dynamite also. A dynamite or a rampage, we might see them on a dark. You know, we're, we're gonna definitely get exposure to them before Ring of Honor has a TV deal or something that they can be broadcasted on. Right. You know, it's it's nice to see young talent finally getting signed. Uh, the only problem I have with all the signings is. The ring of the the AEW roster is now bloated, like the WWE roster was. Right. And the last thing we want is to see budget cuts from AEW, if need be. Well, where mean, do you, where the hell do these guys go? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well, I mean, too, like, like all the controversy they're going, they're uh, talking about is that, you know, they got a lot of contracts that are supposed to be. Coming up, and Tony, he, he just acts like, uh, you know, if, if he doesn't like the person, he's just gonna, or he don't feel like it's gonna be lucrative for them to continue forward. Right, they don't even talk about it now, right. but like, it, at least talk about it with them. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. like, okay, if we're gonna renew this contract. What are we going to do? Right. Right. Because, I mean, he's already given him a lot of creative freedom. Exactly. And maybe he needs to pull back on the creative freedom a little bit and get a creative team going that'll put together a decent show. And this way he could let them relax a little more. Because you got guys going out there with no game plan and they're just thinking, okay, if I fly off the top rope 72 times, someone's liable to bomb. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, yeah. You know, but... I'm happy to hear the rest. I'm happy to watch, hear, and see that wrestling is getting back into a better groove and is watchable again. Because these are the first couple of roles I've watched, Mark, since Mania, and I'm enjoying them again. Yeah, I mean, they got something you can sink your teeth into. Exactly. It's not just, it's not just, you know, useless matches and stuff like that like 
they're, they're putting shit together and building something. Right, right. Long-term booking is the key. Long-term booking is the key, as we know. Best long-term booking I've seen is Rhea Ripley and uh, Rey Mysterio's daughter battling over Buddy Murphy. That'll, that'll be <laughs> <laughs> So, with Quick Kids done... Let's get into our first show review, and it is NXT 2.0. Um, episode begins, and we go straight to the ring, which is my absolute favorite way to go to start a show, Marcus. Go right to the ring. There's no reason for a yep. cheap plug or anything. And it's to crown the new set of women's tag team champions over on NXT. We've got Chance and Carter taking on Leon and Faraz, taking on Ivy Niles and Tatum Paxley, taking on Toxic Attraction. And out of my favorite of the four, it's got to be Toxic Attraction. What do you think, Mark? Well, this is what I, what, what I, my comment was, is that Faraz and Leon, Carter, and, and Chance, all, all, like, my favorite out of all of these two, I really like the Ivy Nile and Tatum Paxley uh, I agree. combination, but... Faroz and Leon cannot be overlooked in this match. Like, they they showed you something early on, even though they were the first ones gone. And after they, that athletic display, I was really wanting to see more of them. And right, all then I've, they were all, gone. All I've seen of them before this is them dancing. You know what I mean? They were they were pulling right. out their best chica-chica moves. You know what I mean? <laughs> And and but I have to say this was a really good match and that surprised me honestly. One makeshift team, two bocce teams, and then toxic attraction. It made me think it was going to be bad, but it wasn't, Mark. It really no. wasn't. They surprised me through the entire matchup. You know what I mean? All four teams did a fantastic job with high flying moves. You mentioned Leon and Faraz. Right. I think they should have actually stayed in the match a little longer because, in my yes. opinion, Ivy Nile and Paxley have only been together. For two weeks, so if you would have had them lose quickly, it would have made more sense. Is it just me though? Is uh, yeah, Tatum or Tatum, however you say that, Paxley? Is that Britt Baker's doppelganger? I she looks like it. She definitely <laughs> looks like it. <laughs> um, but that end, tag team finisher was was awesome. Oh yeah. What the, one of my notes was it was a crash style throughout the entire match, but that's not a bad thing. It was like eight cars hitting each other at one time, but they made it work. You know what I mean? There was no sloppiness. There was no botches, which I was surprised about. You know what I mean? Um, and then at the end, Carter and Chance, who I've – look, I nicknamed them Team Botch a long time ago. They fin- They hit their finisher crisply. And they they became the NXT Women's Tag Team Champions. Your winners and new tag team champions. Charter and I didn't Charter hate Chance. it. I didn't hate it either I, because they have a following. Right. You know? And and that finisher was like, yeah. if you're going to end a match, <laughs> that's a hell of a way to do it. They finally hit it crisply. I'm used to them falling down and almost killing each other when they do it. <laughs> They actually finally nailed it, you know, and that's a move straight out of the Motor City Machine Guns playbook, so that was great to see, you know what I mean? And they gave them a decent amount of time. They went 15 minutes. I would like them to go a little more, but we know it's a TV match, so obviously they got to save a little bit. But damn good opening match, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. 
We then hear from the NXT UK Tag Team Champions, Briggs and Jensen. They got interrupted <laughs> by Joe Gacy and the Schism, um, who are, as we know, um, the grizzled young veterans, now in a totally indifferent change of character. Gacy got into Jensen's head. Now, here's something I didn't know. I didn't know that Jensen was a second-generation superstar, and I haven't been able to find out who his dad was. Right. Uh, I'll have to research that also. Yes. Um, <laughs> something really funny, though, is my notes on that was that the Briggs and Jensen promo was interrupted by Gacy, Snidely Whiplash, and Igor. Right. right. <laughs> perfectly, perfectly said. <laughs> <laughs> they, you know, I, I like them better as the grizzled young veterans because they had this mean look to them. And now they just look like two guys who went off with a buzzer and a straight razor. If you, you know? if you can tell me with a straight face that the bald one does not, the I guess, taking the spot of Harlan, <laughs> you know. I, I guess so. <laughs> but the bald one, if you can tell me with a straight face that he doesn't look like Igor. No, you're spot on. <laughs> you're spot on. Uh, Jensen challenges Gacy to a match later. He says, no problem. I'm down for it. You're going to help me make my point to Cameron Grimes. And um, we have a match between them later. Then we go in the ring, and it's Carmelo Hayes, and he's out celebrating his birthday. Happy birthday, Carmelo Hayes. He issues an open challenge for the NXT North American title. And this, by far, I think, was my favorite. This was my favorite moment of NXT. Because Giovanni (laughs) Vinci is about to answer the, the challenge. <laughs> and then Nathan Frazier goes blowing by and hits the ring and the bell rings. I'm like, what the fuck just happened? He said the next person right. in this ring. Right. That, that, that was a good swerve. It was. It was. Giovanni's just sitting there like, what What am I supposed to do now? I was ready for a match. You know, you know? a lot of times they, they overuse the comedy, but, you know, no, that, was perfect. that was perfectly <laughs> executed. <laughs> we go to the ring, so it's Hayes versus Frazier, and Nathan Frazier is a newcomer from NXT UK. Um, he's he's done a lot already in a short time there. Good back and forth encounter in their first meet, five, first time meeting, a lot of good chemistry. Frazier showed the champion that he was a threat and almost had Hayes beat a couple of times here, Mark. You know, but yep. the thing I love about Carmelo Hayes is he's never actually down. This guy takes a beating, tops back up, and then throws you for a loop. And it's like, okay, let's see what it got. My notes was that it was a purely athletic display. Physical and high-flying. Yes. It was was not... um, These two guys mixed perfectly together because their styles complemented each other. Um, And Hayes fought back, caught Frazier off guard. Uh, on the outside, Carmelo then comes back inside and hits his finisher and gets the win in eight minutes. Very good match, but short. I would have liked them to have gotten 15 minutes here, too. Well, uh, I didn't have a problem with the length of it because you knew they were going to do that post-match beatdown stuff. Right. Like, he just he just stole the opportunity from him. This begins the story, so... Yeah, but see, my problem with that is is that means that Giovanni will not be getting a title shot anytime soon. <laughs> no, you know, I mean, Frazier will probably work a program and then lead right. up to 
possibly, you know, one of them again, or even the triple threat of those three. Right. But it's nice to see some new challengers for Hayes. Uh, not that I don't like Cameron Grimes, uh, but I think Cameron has been in that picture too much, and he needs a bit of a change uh, in regards to his character and storytelling right now. Right. Uh, we then go to hype video for, oh, post-match, as we said, Giovanni attacks Frazier for taking his title shot, and then we get a look at J.D. McDowell and Braun Breaker coming to the ring for their face-to-face. And I have to say, when we get into that segment, it's going to be, it was actually a pretty damn good segment between those two. Uh, then we get a hype video for Solo Sequoia and Von Wagner later on tonight in a street fight. That should be a fantastic matchup with those two bruisers. Um, then we go back inside the ring, and we got Wade Barrett. And he's set to interview J.D. McDone and Braun Breaker. Now, I don't know why they changed J.D.'s name. In, in U- NXT UK, Jordan he was going Devlin. by some, Right, he was Jordan Devlin. Right. But I guess because he lost that Loser Leaves NXT UK match, maybe he needed a new name. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? But he's still a fantastic yeah. artist in the ring, in my opinion. Right. I enjoyed the back and forth talking. Right. But the end part where he signed in blood, I felt like it was ripping off the Bray Wyatt signing in blood almost. Well, yeah. Like, yeah. You, you got this obvious, you know, size difference in Devlin and Breaker because Breaker's a big son of a bitch. Yes. And. I mean, I understand that, too. It was like he's trying to get in his opponent's head. And he looks like he did. Yeah, it was, it was different. But, I mean, as long as they continue having uh, Braun on top after this, I'm right. good with it. My only – see, this is where I will give you that I have a small problem. They've got Axiom, who's a mathematician luchador. J.D. McDonough, who supposedly knows every part of the human body and how to break it correctly. Then they've got that other girl. I don't. I forgot her name. We're going to – hold on. I'll, I'll tell you her name in one second. But, you know, there's that girl who, like, looks at people and tells you their character traits and all that and whatnot. Where's her name? Well, whatever the case may be, they're giving these people too much of a, of a character – that is like, why are you a brainiac, but you're a wrestler? You know, you know, you get my drift? Like, if you're that great of a mathematician, why did you decide to don a mask and become a wrestler? You know what I mean? <laughs> why are you not a chiropractor? Why are you not this? Why are you, you know what I mean? It, it's too you didn't do the math that this business is not good for your body. <laughs> right, right. It's, it's, it's a little weird. But JD signing in blood I thought was cool because we haven't had that in a while. Uh, and Braun Breaker's facial expressions told the story more than anything. Like, he was horrified by it. Um, good segment, and I can't wait to see them in the ring because that's going to be a total different mix of styles. The, the yeah. brawler, Braun Breaker, versus the what looks to be... He's an aerial artist, but he also can get it done inside the, you know, on the mat. So it's going to be nice to see what those two guys could do against one another. Right. Uh, Apollo Crews then approaches the Creed brothers, gives them some advice. They exchange respect, and Apollo walks off. Damon Kemp lets the Creeds know that Roderick Strong won't be there until later. 
Uh, we shifted in toxic attraction, throwing a fit backstage. Mandy Rose trying to calm them down. And then Mandy Rose's music hits, and she's ready for her match. Now, I like Apollo Crews back in NXT, but I don't like him as the wily veteran trying to help everybody out because we don't know Apollo Crews hasn't been there that much longer than some of the people that are in NXT. Yeah. You know what I mean? I would have liked AJ Styles for this role more. You know what I mean? A 40, you know, a 20, 30 year veteran rather than Apollo Crews, but he's getting the job done. That's fine. Uh, the, the toxic attraction fit was hysterical, though. I listened yeah, to like, see my daughter freak out. That gate yeah. On, on the, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, they're, they're doing it. The, I like, it, it was believable because it makes that sound effect and it's going to register with people. But it made me laugh because, like I said, I likened it to seeing my two daughters throw a fit because I told them they couldn't do anything. I was like, okay, they're <laughs> really acting like spoiled brats right now. It's perfect for their their characters. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, the, and then you got Mandy. I knew, and she comes in. I knew they were going to cheat. Well, why weren't you out there to help them, motherfucker? Right. That's your team. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so we go to the ring. It's Mandy Rose taking on Soraya, or as I like to call her, female Harry Potter. Um... This was decent, but nothing great. Soraya tried to throw a couple of surprises at Mandy Rose, but the champion didn't fall for it. Rose threw Soraya around the ring, hit her finisher, and got the win in seven minutes. In my opinion, it should have been five minutes. But Rose looked great, and Soraya's hype is kind of gone. Yeah. I mean, it kind of reminds me of uh, Rio from AEW a little bit. Yeah. I could agree with that. The fans just don't know what to think of her anymore, you know. Yeah. But here, here's my, here's my problem with when they bring in these Japanese women to NXT, they always make them this undefeated monster for months on end. Then when they finally lose, it's like they crumble down and break, and they can't get back from it. Like they did that with Io Shirai until she turned heel. You know what I mean? They did it with Asuka. They did it with with you know, so many of these girls that it's like okay, we get the formula, but you need to change it now. We need a different way to go with them. Well, I mean, too, you need, I understand that you need Mandy Rose to have a strong showing going into that. Oh, of course. Event. You know what I'm saying? But Of course. Like, I don't know. You can't make her the next EO Shirai because she don't have that edge to her. It's no, like, she doesn't. If, if you look at the whole costume, well, I'll, I'll say costume or outfit or whatever you want to call it. Right, but um, it it's like stale. It's yes, it's nothing vibrant about the character to me. No, and then all they did to change it was they made her Harry Potter, and it's like who cares about this? A five year old kid, <laughs> you know what I mean? I look, I'm I have friends who are in their forties that love Harry Potter, but if I told them, hey, there's a wrestler who's like Harry Potter right now, they'd probably look at me and say, so. <laughs> Listen, if I tell Angie that, right. she she'll she'll look at it and then she'll be like, "Well, I want to see it," and then I show her and she's gonna be like, "No, she needs to no. stop." Right? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Post match, Mandy attacks Soraya to get some payback from a few months ago when Soraya injured Mandy accidentally. Zoe Starks makes the save. Zoe takes uh, Rose out and sends a message just two weeks before Heat Wave. I like the card for Heat Wave so far, but it's making me question 
are they making every NXT show like a night of champions or a clash of the champions in that every title gets defended? Right. You know what I mean? Maybe they should pull back sometimes with the tag titles or something because too many title matches is overkill. Yeah. You know, and then you don't give anybody else that's on the card a chance to be on the card because, well, we'll know we need the guys that are fighting for the titles on the card. Right. You know, I don't know, but it might just be me. Uh, we get a vignette <laughs> hyping Tiffany Stratton. This was done to put over her continued feud with Wendy Chu, which I'm not thrilled about, Mark. I got to be honest with you. Tiffany yeah. Stratton is, to me, just like Mandy Rose, just like the Bella Twins was, you know, that spoiled brat millionaire girl, you know what I mean? You right. already got Sasha Banks, who's the boss, and this, you know, glitzy, glamour girl. Why did we need Tiffany Stratton, too, you know? And Wendy Chu, they killed that character by turning her from the monster that she was when she was with Zia Lee and, you know, Koma, whatever the guy's name was, the, the Japanese guy, to now a girl who falls asleep every couple minutes in the ring. Right. So it's like, it's like essentially putting MJF versus Orange Cassidy, except for a lot less entertaining. Well, I, I you know what? I, I never thought of it like that, but yeah, I agree with you there. I definitely <laughs> agree with you there. Uh, we then go to McKenzie, who interviews Axiom, and he gets interrupted by Duke Hudson. Duke's call, Duke calls uh, Axiom a nerd and beats his ass around the arena. They spill into the arena, and apparently now we have a match because Axiom didn't like his first ass-whipping. He wanted another one. So <laughs> we've got the mathematician versus the former card player turned badass who never seems to win a match, but that's fine. Uh, ref rolls in. Hudson continues the beating, sets up for the razor's edge, but Axiom reverses it. Axiom hits his finisher and gets the win in three minutes. Now, this is my note. What the fuck is the point of this? How do you start out with a great brawl and end it in three minutes with this piece of crap match? Well, I mean, you can still you can still see shades of the old regime in, as far as booking stuff. Like you can tell that right. NXT is not all hundred. For the plain simple fact, it's kind of like the whole one, two, three kid and Razor Ramon thing. Yeah, but if you recall when when. One, two, three, kid, one. It was not a three-minute match. It was the right. Razor actually had a ten-minute match with him and toyed with him. I would have liked that better. And then we go to next week with, you know, Hudson pulling the Razor move. I want a rematch. You shouldn't have beat, you know what I mean? He right. Just, but, you know. But, Archie, you want to believe, so damn it, he crunched the numbers and was able to pull off an upset in three minutes. <laughs> I guess. I guess. That's a great man. I need to have him do my, my books for me then. <laughs> <laughs> Mackenzie interviews Wesley, who is about done with Trick Williams. He says that Trick is trying to say he's the next Muhammad Ali and that he's done with it all. And he challenges Trick to a match next week. And he wants it to be a rounds match. He says Trick could be the boxer if he wants and have his gloves and Wessel wrestle. Um, I liked Wesley when he was with the rascals and when he was with you know nash carter before nash got held up about being an abuser and uh all that but i don't i don't want to see him fight trick williams anymore i want him to like fight for a cruiserweight title or something like that right uh with that whole thing my my biggest problem is is okay he's gonna wrestle and 
electric box. Right. If it's a rounds match, how the fuck are you going to score points with wrestling? Right. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Like, it it doesn't even seem like an actual realistic concept. Right. Exactly. So, is it more tailored after Trick and he's going to win, or is Wesley going to, like, roll him up in the third round for a quick one, two, three, and then run off? And, you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's a little convoluted right now. I kind of hope they right. fix it, but I doubt they will. Yeah, like, I mean, the whole Ali reference and stuff I thought was pretty cool. Yeah, I thought like, that was great seeing the side-by-side picture. That, yeah. But, I mean, to me, that direction that they're going with that, it's not entertaining. No, I agree. We go to our, our NXT tag team title matchup, and we got the Creeds taking on Tony D and Stax. Incredible tag match. The chemistry be- was perfect with all four guys. The Creeds are a mix, in my opinion, of the Steiner brothers and the LOD with that they have college background but a smash-mouth fighting style. Tony D may be corny, but he can go, and Stax has begun to come up in, in the ring a little bit. Uh, Tony had the upper hand, was about to use his tire iron, but Santos Escobar, who I'm happy, made his return and surprised him with the brass knuckles. The Creeds hit the, their finisher, get the win in 12 minutes. Very good match, and I was glad to see Escobar finally return. Yes, I popped for that. And is it, is it just me? Is like Escobar kind of uh, kind of NXT's Eddie Guerrero. I agree. I agree. And I like that they wear that LWD shirt that looks like an LWO shirt. Right. You know what I mean? And I, I have to say, he got me to enjoy Joaquin Wilde and Mendoza's matches because he, they're with him. And even though I don't like Electra Lopez that much when she's by his side, it makes it a little better. Yeah. You know, so. And uh, I enjoy the Creed Brothers. And I just oh, know, yeah. too, that, that the thing that changes also is when they get called up to the main roster, they don't have to change their stinking name. I agree with that. I agree with that 100%. You've already established that character with the fans. When you bring right. them to the main roster, they're going to pop for that. And I'm kind of hoping that the fallout with Roderick Strong happens a little sooner because, let's face it, Roddy is bringing them down, actually. You yeah. know what I mean? All the fight, the, the stupid fighting and promos, Roddy cuts and everything. You could tell Roderick Strong really doesn't want to be there that much anymore. You know what I mean? But these guys actually do. Them and Damon Kemp are a perfect threesome. They don't need Roderick Strong in there in any way, any way, shape, or form anymore. Right. And, you know, the tag team division on on the mainstay shows like SmackDown and Raw. It's lacking. You know, it's lackluster. So you need to revamp that and give it a breath of fresh air. So go ahead and call up the Creed Brothers. I agree. We get a highlight package of Roxanne Perez and Cora Jade. They have a ton of history, and Perez wants a match at Heat Wave. Mackenzie is shown interviewing Cora afterwards, and Cora rejects the challenge and says she's moved on. Mandy Rose then walks in and says she wants Cora to take out Zoe Starks, and then this way Cora can get the shot at Mandy at Heat Wave. Jay says, Jade says she'll think about it. Now, I'm liking the heel turn of Cora Jade, even though I think it happened a little too quickly. But 
I don't like that they haven't changed her that much. Like, if you're a badass, stop riding the skateboard, stop wearing the hat backwards. You know what I mean? Change your dressing style a little bit. I'm not saying for her to wear all black or, you know, be menacing, but she still looks like a punk rocker and you're supposed to be a badass. Wow. Um, Oh. We get, uh, our second vignette to highlight the feud of Von Wagner and Solo Sequoy. These two are ready to tear each other up. Uh, again, we head to McKenzie, and she's with Caden Carter, the new tag team champs. They give an emotional thanks to the fans and each other before McKenzie sends us back to the arena. Uh, like like we said earlier, I, I think Caden and Carter were the right choice as tag team champions right now. Yeah. You know, they've got a nice it's... following with, with the NXT universe. And they're a decent tag team. If they can do what they do did tonight on NXT versus, you know, in the future, I'm all for it. Well, I, I learned something this week. The exactly. WWE and NXT and all that, they have the universe, right? right. AEW has the galaxy. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. <laughs> and that is another invention of the one and only Chris Jericho. <laughs> <laughs> We go back to the ring, and it's Joe Gacy versus Jensen. Uh, quick start to a quick match, and Jensen has the upper hand. He's putting Gacy down and almost had this match won, but pretty deadly hits the ring. This causes a distraction. Gacy hits his finisher, which for a man his size, Joe Gacy hitting a, a double handstand clothesline is, like, unbelievable to me. <laughs> and gets the win in three minutes. Too quick of a match here. But I like that they made Josie, Joe Gacy get his point across. You know. I I always, like, since he's come, I, I like Joe Gacy, the character. Right. Right. And I don't know why they always want to put, you know, him to have followers like he's the Bray Wyatt at NXT. Like, well, the Wyatt family version. Right, I, I agree with that. And I think if they were ever to bring J uh, Bray Wyatt back, that would maybe be the opening that they needed is to maybe use Joe Gacy to do it. Right. You know what I mean? In that, well, all my followers left me. There's only one thing I could do. And then he looks Something into the camera and says, let him in. And out walks the fiend. You know what I mean? Post-match, right. uh, post, post Gacy sends a message to Cameron Grimes. And we see Grimes... Shown backstage looking very distraught, but I don't see Cameron Grimes joining Joe Gacy. You know what I mean? I just don't think it's right for Cameron's um, character. No, because, I mean, on one hand, you got this uh, psychopath <coughs> versus basically a comedy routine guy right. for money. Right. I think. Ron should fight Gacy, maybe get a tag team, which will probably end up being uh, um, those those couple of young guys that he was trying to mentor a couple of weeks ago, and maybe have a nice feud with Joe Gacy. It might might work out to his benefit, but you never know. We then see Tony Dean in his locker room, and he's looking pissed. Santos Escobar calls him, and I swear, Mark, it sounded like they were in the same room while they were talking to each other on the phone. You yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> it was really bad editing. <laughs> Um, they they agree that they need to have one final match after exchanging pleasantries with one another and, and end this. But Tony D is not going to tell us where this match is going to take place yet. So I get a feeling we might see a cinematic match between the two of them a little bit. 
I, I might not hate it just depends right. on how they execute it. But right. I really enjoyed that back and forth between them two. Oh, definitely. Definitely. They both know how to talk. They both know how to deliver. Uh, we then go to the ring for Alba Fire taking on my least favorite member of the NXT roster, Last Legend. It's weird because this is the second match to start during the commercial break on a split screen. Legend used her height advantage and power to take uh, an early lead, but Alba fought back. Lash tried to use Alba's bat, but Fire ducked, hit her gory special and swanton to get the win in six minutes. It was actually a decent match this week between these two, but that was mainly because of Alba Fire. Um, I don't know, though. I, I, it's weird. This, like I said, it's the second match that started during the commercial break in a split screen. Why would they do that? Yeah, that... Yeah, especially like during the entrances. Right. You like know, it, it's killing the match, but, in my opinion. My thing, this is actually the first Alba Fire match I've seen. Ever? So, yeah. Even when she was Kylie Ray? Wow. That was Kylie Ray? Yeah. Well, there's too many of, uh, of these people for me to dag on Outside, Trick and Carmelo helped three beauties fix their car. I'm wondering if this is going somewhere and if we're going to find like out the setup. Yeah, I'm because it was it was too. Uh, it, it, I, look, I'm going to be honest. I won't mince words. It kind of looked like a, a, a porn type of thing. You know what I mean? Like it was going to, you know. <laughs> But yet it ended, and it was like, okay, either somebody beat the hell out of them afterwards, or these three girls, you know, it just didn't seem kosher. Right. You know, we then hear from Nikita Lyons, and uh, she she doesn't know how to cut a promo, in my opinion. Her only thing going for it, she's got a big ass. Um, yeah, well, and then she, then she kind of went ghetto with it, too. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> you know, we already got Lash uh, Legend who goes ghetto. Why are you going ghetto too? You know what I mean? Right. Uh, are y'all gonna be in a, a tag team or something? No, because they feuded already, so it makes no right. sense. Uh, but like, all right, yeah. She's pissed though that Kiana James was talking badly about her, and I guess that makes sense. But I mean, why didn't they have a match then? So we're just gonna get back and forth promos between them. You know, I don't know. Yeah. It, it just seems to me that they took all the new women that came in and went, okay, we're going to make you this, we're going to make you that, but we want to bring you on TV, but we really don't want you to wrestle that much because we know you can't wrestle yet. So we're going to just have you do promos, which you suck at anyway. So, yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, I mean, she's the, she's the opposite of that, that vignettes we've been getting of the Tiffany Stratton. Right. Tiffany can actually cut a promo and actually can wrestle. Right. You know, it's just a bad character for her, but whatever. It's main event time, Mark. Solo Sequoia taking on Von Wagner. A true war between two impressive fighters, in my opinion. No one was safe, whether they were outside or inside the ring. We saw chairs, tables, and ring steps used. That rock bottom on the ring steps was sick that Solo did to, to Von uh, Wagner tried to come back, but Solo put him on the announcer's table and hit a top rope splash through it and gets the win in 14 minutes. In my opinion, this was the payoff we needed because it was an awesome main event. And we it kind of made both, Yeah, we ended on a high note. 
but it also made those guys look good because Vaughn can always say, well, hey, you used weapons against me. I didn't use any weapons. You know, I'm a fighter. I don't need that. You know what I mean? But I'll say this, though. Go ahead. I'm a big fan of Solo. Yes. Like, that's the Usos the Juice. Right. Right. He, in my opinion, is what the Usos should be right now. But instead, they're chilling with Roman. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that, but you know what I mean. They're Roman's second hands versus being off on their own. My, uh, if they, if if they decide that they call Solo up, that would be the perfect way to end Roman's right. I agree. I agree. All in all, though, was a good show. A couple of downers, but and quick matches, but a lot more good in my opinion. Giving this week's NXT a four out of five because I did enjoy it. What about you? Uh. I will say a I I I'll put it at three five just because okay. I got to see how it progresses. I I understand. I, I get what you're, where you're coming from. Still a good score though, it's a passing grade. Um we now move on to AEW Dynamite, Tony Khan's baby. Just like NXT, Mark, we start right by going to the ring for our opening match. And it is Jay Lethal versus Orange Cassidy. Um, another good opener with both guys showing off and getting the crowd hyped. Cassidy used his normal hand-in-pocket movesets. But Lethal wasn't having it. Lethal fought back and punished Cassidy for a bit. Cassidy tried to take Lethal out, but Lethal reversed the orange punch and hit the Lethal injection to get the win in 13 minutes. Good amount of time given. Great matchup. Good opener. Yeah, uh, there was a few parts where they messed up, but of course, uh, right. But I enjoy face Jay Lethal better than the heel Jay Lethal. I agree. I agree one hundred. Um, and he doesn't need Sanjay to speak for him. Right. I understand him and Sanjay are friends, but damn, let Sanjay get that big guy over by himself. Right. Exactly. But if I guess if you feel if they did that, it would look like Davari with the great Kali. You know what I mean? So maybe they need Lethal for a little bit of contrast. But I get what you're saying. I think Lethal should be left on his own. Uh, you know, he does he, he gets it done in the ring and he gets it done on the mic. Why why have him have a mouthpiece and a giant? Right. So post match Lethal calls out Wardlow and is about to injure Cassidy, but the best friends in Wardlow make the save. Dutt issued a challenge for the TNT title for Battle of the Belts 3, and Wardlow accepted. Great opening segment. I like Wardlow, but it seems like since he won the TNT title, he hasn't defended it. So if his first defense is against Jay Lethal, I'm all for it. I loved when the best friends come out on, on each other's shoulders. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that was hilarious. Um... As far as Wardlow, he I, I see he's got the mic. He's got mic skills, right? And that whole Wardlow, it all is the same. Wardlow whoop that ass, right? <laughs> I pop for it. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> uh, we see highlights from last week with Hook winning the FCW title. Happy for him and what's to come. Um, he, kid deserves a push. He's actually progressing to be a good talent in the ring. Right. 
you know. He ain't his daddy yet, but he'll get there. No, but the the fan reaction for him. Oh yeah, oh yeah. You get what I'm saying? Like, like when he comes out, people are cheering. So I don't get it. I was there live for an AEW show, and when Hook's music started, these fans got up and cheered like The Rock just returned, and I was like, "Wow, (laughs) this kid is over." Right. You know. So back inside the the arena, we get the return of the undisputed elite with Adam Cole. Cole lets us know that he and Kyle Riley are not cleared to wrestle yet. Then why are you here? Uh, Bobby Fish is. He then speaks for uh, speaks of loyalty and the trio tournament. He lets the Young Bucks know that if he and Kyle aren't cleared to wrestle, that the bu- and the Bucks don't choose Bobby Fish, then they won't be in the trio's tournament or physically capable. Red Dragon then attacked the Bucks, and they've been thrown out of the undisputed elite. They place a chair over Matt Jackson's neck. Uh, But before they can do damage, Adam Page makes the save wearing butterfly jeans. (laughs) Butterfly guys, there were butterflies on this man's jeans, I swear to God. Me too. And and, and what the hell? What is he wearing? (laughs) That's not cowboy. (laughs) No, that's not cowboy shit. Uh, What a segment, though. Page offers his hand to Matt, and Nick and Matt accepts. And I'm excited for this because... The Bucks and Hangman were a great tag team, you know, six-man tag team. But again, I don't get if you and Kyle aren't prepared to come back yet. Why where's that right, Well, why didn't you let Bobby come back and him ask about being in the trios tournament with them? Have the Bucks turn him down? Join Adam, Adam Page, and then when you guys can wrestle healthy and get back, that leads to the feud actually starting. Because now right. we won't see Adam or Kyle for a little while because they're still not cleared. Well, I seen I seen it coming from a mile away. Yeah, like yeah, just the uh, they it was the language of uh, the body language and stuff like that. How they came out, I I I knew right then. Well, this is fishing the go south. No, it just like you said, it was a, it was definitely a scene turn, but I just don't understand doing this, kicking them out when there is no undisputed elite right now. You know what I mean? You're not coming back to fight. So what are you doing? You wasted 20 minutes of people's time to tell us, nope, we're not coming back yet. You know what I mean? Which I'm guaranteeing Adam Cole is kicking himself for leaving the WWE when he did. Because now with Triple H back in charge, he's like, damn, I might have been world champion someday. (laughs) Yeah, John Moxley cuts a promo backstage and tells us he doesn't care if it's Chris Jericho or Willie Uter to win tonight's match and will be his next challenger he says friend or foe it doesn't matter he wants to paint the canvas with blood and put someone in the hospital even if it's himself Um, haven't been feeling Mox lately Mark or his title reign everything is blood and guts blood and guts blood and guts and I get it there are wrestlers who made their living on that Mick Foley Terry Funk, but they also had scientific matches too when they had to. Right. You know, Which, I mean, to me, him and Eddie Kingston's about laced with the same sort of gimmick. Right. Which is why I think they're putting Kingston back a little bit. Right. And, and you, when we see Kingston uh, uh, later on, like, I, I like the direction with him. The way that they're doing it right, right now, so right. But Mox has played out, in my opinion. You know what I mean? Like they could, they 
I would have rather them give the belt back to Jericho than Moxley right now because at least Chris has the JSA uh, to get over, you know what I mean, as ch- as champion. Where with Moxley, yeah, he's in the, the Blackpool Combat Club, but Regal stays on commentary and the rest of the club isn't even with Moxley. So, like, what the hell is going on here? Right. You know? Like, at least have him in the background when you're cutting your promo. Right. You know, Tony Schiavone has then shown interviewing Christian. But, and this was by far the funniest thing that happened all week. Jungle Boy pulls in at 100 miles an hour and almost runs them both over. <laughs> and again, comedy for the sake of comedy, but it perfectly done. You know I, mean? I thought it was going to be one of them. I did it for the rock moment. Right. Right. If that would have been Rikishi driving, I might have been laughing hysterically. <laughs> <laughs> we then go to women's tag team action. We've got Jamie Hayter and Britt Baker. Or is it Tatum Paxley? We have to wait and get a closer up and see, make sure. Uh, taking on Thunder Rosa and Tony Storm. Uh, great women's tag match here. All four women look strong, and we're attempting to show off and going uh, and get their shot at Thunder Rosa again later on down the line. Hater was the workhorse, though, and Britt Baker was the antagonist as she worked throughout the match. Uh, Thunder Rosa hit a wicked looking top rope uh, drop kick to the back of Jamie Hater's head. And I literally thought the woman's head was going to come off the way she nailed it right from the back of the neck. Um, right. Nice tandem offense between Baker and Jamie. Jamie hit her huge clothesline and got the win on Tony Storm at the 12-minute mark. Again, given enough time, told the story, and I enjoyed it. I thought they were, they all did great. Right. My notes was there was some sloppiness, but there was also athleticism displayed. Right. It was tolerable. Uh my biggest problem was that I see they crammed a lot of spots into it. Right. And they made it blatantly obvious that they were just trying to get to the next spot. Yeah. Because, like, when, when Britt went up to hit that move off the uh, off the top rope, before she could even get situated, Britt already had her head underneath her. Right. No, there was a little bit of timing issues there. but and, right. and this is not a knock at Thunder Rosa, but people have been saying this for the last couple months, that both she and Tony Storm aren't always doing what's right in the ring. It's almost like they're sandbagging. And I don't know if that's true or not, but it does seem like it comes up a lot during the Thunder Rosa matches. Right. What are you, female on Cassidy? Right. Exactly. <laughs> she was even wearing a sandbag since, since 2012 shirt. You know, right. I mean, that, that that makes it even worse. So uh, we then hear from Sammy Guevara and Tay Conti about their marriage coming up, their wedding. But <laughs> Eddie Kingston interrupts the video and he delivers the line of the year when he says, hey, Sammy, you're getting married. Nobody cares. That popped me. <laughs> it was like, yes, thank you, Eddie, for saying what we were all thinking. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I, I definitely I, I got a good chuckle out of that. Eddie then challenges Sammy to a match. He says, once you get back from your, your wedding, look in your mail, find the contract, and sign it. He wants a match at All Out with Sammy Guevara. I mean, at All In, excuse me. And I, I hope it happens because I think that would be a great contrast in style in the, again, the brawler versus the high flyer. But Sammy Guevara ain't actually worried about getting hurt, so he's willing to do whatever he has to do. This is my problem, though, Mark. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yes, Sammy Guevara got involved in the match between Jericho and, and Kingston, the barbed wire everywhere match, right? Right. 
But didn't Eddie throw Sammy off of a cage two weeks earlier and almost murder him? Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? So at one point, are you, I want a receipt. I got to get you back. But you killed him. <laughs> it was murder. <laughs> well, I mean, like you said, Guevara's not scared, you know, no. and can this he's got one of the best ladder spots oh yeah in recent wrestling. I agree. And I think they're gonna do a fantastic job against each other. Oh um, yeah. High, highlights of Hobbs starting on Starks is next. And then Taz tells us live that Team Taz has been disbanded, but that he knows and wishes Starks, Hobbs, and Hook all the best because he knows they will do great on their own. We then go to the ring for Hobbs versus Jones, and this was a two-minute squash squash match, and it was rightfully so. Hobbs destroyed Jones and got the win after a devastating finisher. In my my mind, Mark, powerhouse Hobbs needed to be on his own. Yeah, you know what I mean. Maybe with Taz as his manager, but he didn't need the team Taz thing behind him anymore. I would have liked to seen him have you know more of a grit and nail biter of a match and be exhausted well, as hell. Then have Starks do his run in, right? And make right. it look make it look like he's actually a legitimate threat to Hobbs instead of you know he just squashes the shit out of him and Hobbs is still fresh and right. boom, here comes Starks. Right, because Ricky hits the ring and tried to get some revenge, but Hobbs took a couple of shots and then just laid Ricky out like, I ain't in the mood for you, buddy. You know what I mean? So, I mean, what, what, what would be the sense of even wanting to see that next match then? You know what I'm saying? Like, well, it, we just know he's going to whoop his ass. Right, and I'm more than sure that they're going to put Ricky down as the underdog and have him get his ass kicked a couple of times and maybe have Ricky finally get the big win. But I gotta be honest. I think Ricky should be fighting for the T and for the TNT title, or you know what I mean, doing because Ricky Starks is a star. Right. He was in the NWA, and I think he will be in AEW. So he doesn't need a feud with Hobbs. I think they should have just disbanded the team and let everybody go their separate ways, sort of like the right. Flock did. You know what yep. I mean? Remember when the Flock broke up and nobody dealt with each other anymore? You know, but it's Ricky, so he's going to do whatever he wants. <laughs> <laughs> a vignette for Miro is, uh, and his problems with House of Black airs next. Miro says he doesn't know what's real anymore, but he will reveal his true self soon. This is followed by a promo for Darby Allen and his problems with the House of Black and Brody King. It's announced that next week we will see Brody King taking on Darby Allen in a coffin match. And I like the sound of that because we don't get one of these matches but once every five or six months. Last one was against Andrade. And Darby obviously won, but uh, I, I think this is the the right move. Yeah, I'm actually looking forward to seeing that. Yeah, me too. My only fear is because it looks a little predictable, is that we're going to get Sting, Darby, and and Miro versus the House of Black, and then Miro's going to turn and join House of Black. You know what I mean? Because he's been misted, and everybody who's gotten misted so far has joined. You know what I mean? Right. I, I hope it's not that predictable. I kind of like to see Sting join House of Black, but we know that ain't happening. Nah. You know, that's a good Christian boy there. He don't mess with all that devil's work. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> uh, we then go to the match that we, you and I talked about before we came on air, Christian versus Matt Hardy. A 25-year mm-hmm. rivalry between two guys who always have great matches together. 
Christian and Matt had a decent match here, though. A lot of back and forth. Hardy almost had the match won, but then Christian pulled out all the stops, hit Matt Hardy with a cheap shot, got the win uh, in 12 minutes. My favorite thing about this match, though, was a guy sitting front row, Mark, that had a sign that said, I played this match on No Mercy on the N64. Right. Because I thought, like, yeah, so did I. You know? (laughs) I I really hated the whole... I, I I despise them introducing Matt Hardy as from the Hardy compound. Introducing right. as just from Cameron, North Carolina. Right. Like, what the fuck is he? Jim Jones? Is this Waco <laughs> or some shit? <laughs> For all you know, though, the Hardy compound might be its own state. He might have become a, a sovereign nation. You know what I mean? Well, <laughs> that, that would make CNN. so post-match Christian was looking to hit the one-man concerto on Matt but Luchasaurus entered the arena which caused a distraction and allowed Jungle Boy to sneak up from behind and of course Christian ran off again I still got something in me that says Luchasaurus is going to turn on Jungle Boy and join Christian because that that two-week being a badass and then going back to being with Jungle Boy it made no sense. Or maybe they thought about it and was like, uh, yeah, we don't know how to maybe. properly going to keep him at maybe. the end, So we're just going to turn him back and give him back to Jungle Boy. Cause... You, you might be right. You might be right. <laughs> I, I no, love he... Jungle Boy's uh, shirt at the end yeah. at, at the end of this, though, where it says Christian is a pussy. Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I laugh from a good place on that one. I am a Jungle Boy fan. I will say it right now. And I like Luchasaurus, too. I liked the character more when he was on Lucha Underground as Vibro. You know what I mean? But right. I like them as a tag team. And I like that they're making Jungle Boy this a little bit more edgy. I mean, he's still this, you know, uh, uh, teen dream kind of guy. But he's saying bad words. He's looking to reveal all the Christian secrets. When he mentioned the Christian, the only the reason you were pissed I won the battle royal and you didn't win the money is because your wife just divorced you. I mean, that was straight out of the attitude era. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. It was like you know, it was it was really, really great. But I hope they do more with this to evaluate Jungle Boy than they do to evaluate Christian. You know yeah. what I mean? I want I want to see Jungle Boy elevated, not Christian Cage. And that's not about right. the Christian, but he's had his day in the sun. Yeah. Right. So we then go to Tony who interviews Daniel Garcia about his win over Brian Danielson. Garcia says he's the Dragon Slayer and the true best technical wrestler in the world. I like Garcia. I just wish he learned how to cut a promo. He's just yelling. Yeah, because that made absolutely no sense. He said, yeah. I'm the Jungle Slayer. And then he's like, whenever you uh, heal up and get back, I'll slay the dragon again. Yeah. I mean, like, Really? You just said you already slayed him, so... Right. Uh, he, he need, I think Jericho needs to pull him to the side. Kid, stop yelling, number one. Talk. You know what I mean? And right. more serious, because you look like you're constipated and want to take a shit, but you can. Uh, <laughs> you know, and, and, and deliver your words the right way. I mean, he's got Chris Jericho there. You'd think he would use him. You know, but... Highlights from Pac's title defense, uh, and I have to say his title reign, even though we don't know what the whole 
uh, All Atlantic champion is because we've yet to see it on Dynamite or Rampage. I like what they're doing here because they're allowing him to go all over the UK and defend a title, so that when he finally comes back to the stage, maybe the the states, maybe the title has some prestige. Right. You know, uh, back in the arena, Ethan Page cuts a promo about being dissatisfied with his position in the company, and he should because he went from being a decent talent who had Dan Lambert and Scorpio Sky with him. Now Scorpio's injured, Dan Lambert left again, so he has nobody. But here comes Stokely Hathaway offering Ethan an opportunity to join his crew, and Paige accepts. Hathaway is slowly building a great stable, in my opinion. You know what he whispered in his ear? What? I can get you that figure. <laughs> That's funny. That is funny. I like that. I thought he whispered. I thought he... I thought he whispered, could you get me at WrestleBash on the August 20th? Because he's <laughs> going to be there and Stokely isn't. But right. any indication, he's got the TBS champion Jade. Now he has Ethan Page. He's recently got Lee Moriarty. He's got Kira Hogan. I, I think this is what they were kind of trying to do with him in NXT. And it fell flat on its face because the Diamond Mine really wasn't a great place for him. And I like right. that they're giving him a lot of nice different weapons to deal with as a, a manager. Yeah, it's kind of like he's going to be the Jimmy Hart of this day and age. Right. Have a nice mixed bag of different clients. Right. Tony then interviews Anna J and the JSA. Uh, notice I'm not saying their name because their name is the stupidest name for a stable I've ever heard. I say it every week. <laughs> um, and and they have her talk and say Jericho is going to win no matter what. Then you know, the two other guys in the JSA say, because I don't know their, their new names. I think it's Matt Menard and Daddy Magic or something. I don't know, something like that. Um, but it's what was up with him saying uh, something about his nipples? Yeah. I, I, didn't, <laughs> I didn't get it. These guys, these guys were known as 2.0 in NXT. They got on my nerves there, and guess what? They get on my nerves in AEW, too, and not in a good way. They're not getting heat from me because I don't like their characters. I don't like them. I need them to go yeah. away. You know what I mean? They need to go wrestle on the indie scene where I don't have to see them every week. You know? But is this why they turned Anna Jay heel? You know what I mean? To be with these two guys and to give them something to look, give, give us something to look at when these two idiots talk? Well, I mean, the, evidently they're banking on her being their sensational, sensational Sherry. Well, I would have rather her been with Jungle Boy, her boyfriend. Right. That would have made more sense. Give me a real, an actual, you know what I mean? And they could have fought in Ty Conte and, and Sammy Guevara, but I guess, who am I? I, I don't book wrestling. They could have did the whole stand by your man gimmick. Right. <laughs> we then go to the Gun Club versus the Acclaimed in the first ever dumpster match since Cactus Jack and Terry Funk taking on Billy Gunn and the Road Dog. And oh, this was an God. this was an absolute war, and it had to be because it's a dumpster match. Uh, these four fought all over the arena and used just about everything they could. Uh, anything that wasn't nailed down, Bowen showed impressive strength. Caster was limited, but still good. These four were highlighted, and they should be. In my opinion, both teams are good, and they actually get over with the crowd. They claim more so than anybody else. Uh, they claim finally locked the gun club in the dumpster and got the win in 17 minutes. Didn't roll them off the stage, though, which would have been ironic and funny. But I enjoyed this, actually. What? You know, they did the... roll them off the stage. Did they? Yeah. 
my feed cut out. My 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 DVR. We went straight to commercial after they locked them in the dumpster and they celebrated for a minute. So they did. They did throw them off the stage. Yes, they did. Damn! Why did my TBS decide to? Oh fuck! Okay. Call my cable company tomorrow. Like that's what me and usually going to part ways on this show. Like because you know how critical I'm going to be of this match just because of my fandom or the other one. Right. Of course. So, like, my notes on this one was Caster's rap was actually stomachable. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) And (laughs) the acclaimed were in the dumpster way too fast to begin with. Right. It should have been more of a ball before anyone went into that dumpster for that. I agree. Time. I agree. And <clears throat> I I guess the uh the gun club, the ass boys, whatever you want to call them <laughs> that they were uh paying tribute to Terry Funk with their attire. I guess so. That's what I that what it insinuated to me it was yeah, like yeah. they had the whole overall Chainsaw Charlie gimmick and then the other one had the headband with the but I mean the spot where they put him on, onto the table for him to hit the mic drop right he went up there without a fight and this needed to be that, that brawl like too gritting to the nail I agree. Fight for your life type. But seeing these four guys who barely get any TV time as it is actually get time, in my opinion, that's why I enjoyed it because it was actually highlighting the younger stars. Right. You know what I mean? And if they paid homage to Cactus and and Terry and their father, you know what I mean, and and everything that went on, yeah, it was not as nostalgic as the first one, but – it got the job done. It, the fans were all over it all night, you know, throughout the entire match. Right. So. But but my thing is, is if all right, that 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 match ain't been used in a while, the dumpster match gimmick. Right. So if you're gonna do it, do it right. Don't replicate it, but like right. at, at least do the, the match justice. I I agree with you. I do agree with you. Uh, we get a rundown for Rampage, Battle of the Belts, and Quake at the Lake next week. Then we hear from Cesaro and Takashita, who, if you sell it, say out his name phonetically, it looks like it's Takashita. Um, this match for the R- is for the ROH title, and it should be great, but I have the problem with Takashita because he has gotten... This will now be his third title match in AEW since he got there a month ago. And I've never really heard of him before. You know what I mean? So I like I like his look. I'll I say that too. I like his look. I am, but I'm a, I'm kind of like you. I haven't seen enough of him to be right. Not Why on the getting, fence about him. Right, like you, you got a shot at the AEW title. You got a shot at the Pure title. Now you're getting a shot at the Ring of Honor title. What the? What? Who? Who did he pay off? <laughs> you know, and he's lost every match. And now he gave great fights in these matches. I'm not saying that he hasn't had a great fight, but. I think the guy is like two and five. So, like, how did you gain all these title shots? Right. Yeah. How are you, you know? ranking that? That right. High? You know, it just it really made the ranking system look like a joke. But 
right. it's AEW. So, I mean, look, I'm a fan, but I call a spade with a spade when it's supposed to be. And that was bullshit booking. Um, and I now agree. it's time for our main event. Wheeler Yuta taking on Chris Jericho. Cesaro comes down. I should say it's not Cesaro anymore. It's Claudio. Comes down to back up Yuta before the match starts. And we're ready for our main event. Wheeler Yuta looked incredible from bell to bell. This kid is from going from the best friends to now being with the Blackpool Combat Club. It's night and day. But this kid was always good in the ring, so there's nothing really wrong with that. He deserves the push that he's getting. Jericho also worked his ass off in the match. Each guy got their shots in. Yuta had the match one on two occasions, but Jericho grunted it out and kicked out. Jericho finally locked in the wells with Jericho and got the win at the 15-minute mark, but refuses to release the hold. So post-match, John Moxley hits the ring. Jericho ran off. Jericho cuts a little bit of an incoherent promo and Moxley guarantees on Moxley and guarantees victory at Quake at the Lake, and the show goes off the air. Your thoughts on Wheeler Yuta versus Jericho, Mark? I would have rather had you to go over. I agree. Um, <laughs> I don't want to see Moxley and Jericho for the 500th time. I agree again. <laughs> but, like, is it just me, or does Wheeler Yuta look like he's the non-mentally challenged superhuman? Yeah. No, people have said that. <laughs> people have been saying that for almost six months. He looks like a skinnier, non-mentally challenged superhuman. <laughs> but yet still does the same crazy shit that that guy's doing. You know, right. he bleeds, he gets right. himself in the barbed wire, you know. Yeah, he's an athlete. And, yeah. you know, I would much rather see him and then... You know, because that style would, to me, would mix real good with John uh, against John Moxley. Right, and they've had a match before, so they have history. Right, so, so. Uh, like, yeah, and you want to keep this kid credible, so right. give, him, give him, you know, the match up against your champion. But, in any case, he did look great against Jericho. Jericho gave him a yes, lot in that match, you know what I mean? So... We know you Wheeler Yuta is going to move on from this and have a, a stellar career from here on out. Um, really good episode, though. A lot of great at wrestling action. I'm going to give Dynamite a four out of five again. Uh, just a little bit better than NXT, though. But both shows delivered this week, Mark. Yeah. Um, my my rating is probably going to be a three five again because. Just, right. Uh, my my biggest issue of the night was like I said with Hobbs and then that spot where uh Christian was choking Hardy with his foot and he was holding right. the ropes and his foot come off and you're the guy getting choked but you had to reposition his foot. Right. That really, really is what knocked it to a three five. I would have given it a four if, if that hadn't happened. I am. I get it. I get it. NWA Power is next, and we've already warned you guys already, so if you want to go have a bathroom break for the next few minutes, go right ahead. I understand. Um, it show kicks off with Kyle Davis interviewing Matt Taven and, and uh, Mike Bennett. Taven uses the word Melvin's way too much, but says they want the tag titles. Bennett says he respects La Rebellion, but doesn't agree with what they did to them last week. La Rebellion comes out and hypes themselves up and that they will title reign in the NWA, uh, they tell Bennett and Taven they got to go through them to get the job. 
they end up brawling all around the arena, and this allows Damian Six 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 to come out and blind the uh, team of Taven and Bennett uh, with the Red Mist. Interesting opening segment, but this is what bothers me with it, Mark. Taven Bennett okay. are in are in Impact as heels, but yet they're playing the face route in NWA. I don't like that. No, it's you like know what I mean. Keep that consistent. Off like right. that's that's pivotal. Um, uh, I, I I always just think Canellis when I look at right. it. Maria Canellis, exactly. Right, and uh, the I I like the whole red mist in the face thing. That was I agree. Definitely a good way to open it. Yeah, because now you're waiting to see the next tag match between these two teams. So. Right, it gives you a little bit of story to build on. I get Vampiro vibes from their face paint, but their in-ring work isn't like that almost. Well, the 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 one guy who's bestie of six 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 is Damian's son, so he has a lucha style. But the other guy used to be known as Mecha Wolf, and he is not a luchador. So it's kind of a mixed style between the two of them. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, I, I enjoy the tag team. I do too, but they're they're not the Christmas tag team. Like, and then they brought up something that I'm going to talk about a little later on. Uh, for 224 days, we were the NWA tag team champions. So, the Rock and Roll Express were tag champions for two years. You know what I mean? There have been right. champions that have held titles longer than you. You know what I mean? It's like that's not something to boast on. Right, you're you're not a record maker. Right, you know what I mean? But we'll get into that a little later on, folks, just a sneak peek into the grinds my gear portion of the show. Uh, We get Scion taking on Rodney Mack, uh, different mix of styles. It's our opening match. Uh, Different mix of styles here. Uh, Scion went technical and Mack rolled the whole way. Haven't seen Rodney Mack in years, but he looked good here. Mack had control, but Scion caught him with a roll-up and gets the win in five minutes. Decent opening, but need a little more time, Mark. Uh, my opinion was that you need a real over baby face to right. give that sign, give it some real heat. Right. So, like, I didn't feel like that was the the right way to do this match. But like, like you said, you. You don't get to see Rodney Mack all that often, anyways. But right, so so you're gonna pop for the nostalgia, of it, obviously. I but, think uh, went over though, right? You know, the, it, so the Scion whole, whole thing, ahead. yeah, it's like the uh, to me, he just went over because he's Austin Idol's kid, gimmickly wise. I don't, I don't know, right? Yeah. It's like, okay, the, the the question mark passed away. We need another match guy. Throw this guy under a mask and say it's off the title son. What? You know what I mean? Like, that was, they should have retired guys in masks that weren't actually luchadors for a little while, in my opinion. Right. You know, we go to our first interview segment uh, of the show with Mae Valentine. She interviewed Camille and Tom Lattimore. Camille says Billy Corgan has been making her jump through hoops. But she guarantees victory on both nights of NWA 74 because that will be a two-day event. Lattimore says he will do whatever it takes to win at NWA 74. 
even if it means injuring himself. Now, Camille is going to fight Taya Valkyrie on night one, and then the winner of the uh, Battle Royal on night two. I don't know who Tom Lattimore is fighting yet. He hasn't doesn't have a match set up yet, so I don't know exactly who he plans on injuring himself against. Uh, <laughs> very good question. You know what I mean? Is he fighting Matt Cardona, who doesn't have an opponent yet? Is he fighting, you know, Ronnie Mack? Is he maybe Nick waiting for Nick Aldis to come back? But if it's vacant, then we got a problem because vacant never loses. Right. <laughs> uh, May is now interviewing world champion Trevor Murdoch. She asks him why he asked to wrestle the Pope next week. But Trevor shuts her down and says that's between him and the Pope. He says that at NWA 74, he will walk out the champion in his match against Iris. But May tries to push the issue. She says, well, then why would you try to challenge the Pope if you have to get ready for Tyrus? But he isn't having it and walks off. I like Trevor as the champion because he's that common man as a champion. You know, he's throwbacks to Dusty and Dick Murdoch and, you know, other right. guys in the NWA. But now that they're making him somewhat of a heel, it's getting a little mixed reaction from me because heel Trevor Murdoch didn't really do anything for me. The face Trevor Murdoch, I was enjoying. Well, I had to do a double take because I thought for a second Sam Elliott was doing a voiceover. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. You're right. He did sound like Sam Elliott. Um, I was like, is this Western? <laughs> <laughs> uh, we then go to a six-man Team Wars elimination match. <coughs> Mark's, excuse me. Mark's going to help me out with this one in a minute, but basically what this is is a six-man tag where you can win by pinfall, submission, or throwing your opponent over the top rope and having both feet hit the floor. Uh, who came up with this, Vince Russo? <laughs> um, this was a bit of a clusterfuck, though, with no real structure. And just move after move and being performed until someone got eliminated. Not really sure what these guys' names are, even as they're just being called by their team names. The ill-begotten and the miserable faithful who are with James Mitchell. In the end, the miserable faithful got the win at the eight-minute mark. This wasn't terrible, but they could have been a little more filled in on who and why this was going on. So, right. Mark, you heard their names. You know who they were. What, <laughs> what did I miss here? Uh, Sal Renaro is, he used to go by my, my, uh, pal Sal. Right. That is the one that is basically like the love child of Eugene and Mankind. <laughs> Jesus. Okay. <laughs> you see when he scored the first pinfall, how he yeah. sat there and rocked, we won, we won, we won. <laughs> Oh, the the one with the mask with the horns on it, that is actually Gimp. Gimp. And and that submission that he won with is called the Gags Reflex. Jesus Christ. <laughs> and okay. the big guy was Judas. <laughs> Judas. Okay, I'm happy I missed their names. Thank you for filling us in. <laughs> <laughs> Um. Wow. All right, NWA. What the fuck happened to the NWA, ladies and gentlemen? We get highlights from NWA USA with Marty Bell picking up a triple a triple threat win, and head to May Valentine interviewing Homicide. They talk about Homicide versus PJ Hawks, and 
I was actually surprised because Homicide paid respect to PJ and says that he, you know, can't wait to have a match with him. Caprice Coleman, who's also there, says he will be at NWA 74 and tells Homicide, when you're done with the kids, give the man a shot. So is this leading to a feud with a former announcer in Ring of Honor and Homicide? Because Homicide will cut that son of a bitch up. Uh, former announcer, he's still doing stuff on the ring right. of commentary team. That's what but I'm, I'm, I'm happy to see him get his roses, though. Like, but right. I'd really like to see him, him hold that belt. I, I'll be honest, I've seen Caprice Coleman wrestle, I think, twice, but you know, I'm just, I don't know. I, know, I, just, I, know, uh, I, I know he's capable of, of going the distance. Well, that's it. If that happens, that will be one one to watch. All right. Well, I'll take your word for it. Uh, May Valentine then does a sit down show called Heart to Heart, and she's with Colby Carino. Colby discuss, <laughs> discusses his father, Steve Carino, and says he loves his dad, but what's this got to do with him? He then uh, she then asks him about Tyrus and if he's read Tyrus's book. Aaron Stevens gets involved with this upsets Colby. Carino and Stevens then begin to argue, and dumb questions just keep getting asked. Like, um, this should have been done separately on YouTube. This should not have been a part of the actual show. <laughs> you know what I mean? If they wanted to yeah. give May Valentine a chance to break out, that's fine, but not at the expense of uh, at the expense of Colby Carino and Aaron Stevens. Well, you know? I, I mean, I, I I also like that they actually let Casey Rocker's face on. That's right, and you just recently had him on Mark Cindy Spotlight, so it kind of probably made you go like, hey, why didn't he tell me about that? <laughs> no, I haven't had him on the Spotlight yet. Uh, I had him booked for oh, okay. that benefit show that we just done, oh, and okay. he couldn't make it, so his okay. tag team partner that him and both of them were recently on, I think it was uh, Dark or Dark Elevation. Okay. Uh, Luther's son, Caleb Kennedy, actually came in his place. Okay. All right. That makes sense. All right. Well, we go to our main event, which had me, again, questioning what the hell is going on because it's Odin's son taking on Tyrus with the TV title on the line, but they have a six-minute and five-second time limit on the match. Now, I get it. 6.05, that's the time NWA used to come on TBS, but... Uh, Tyrus took an early advantage and beat the crap out of Odin's son for about three minutes of the six minutes. Odin's son made a comeback, but it was too little too late. Tyrus hit the hard punch and got the win in four minutes. What's with the six-minute time limit, and why was this episode so quick? Yeah, I, I don't understand. They should have uh, explained that. Uh, my notes on this one was, what the fuck is up with Odin's spray in the beard? Yeah, what was that? Yeah, why was he kept spraying his mouth? What was that about? What, what, I, I don't know. Was that spray paint? Or was it like a bad <laughs> drink? <laughs> it wasn't in like mystical crack dust or something. Something. But it was the whole episode was weird. I, it was just, I mean, you have a pay-per-view to promote that's three weeks away, and this is what you do? Meanwhile, here's Billy Corgan doing interviews every day saying, one, Nick Aldis was politicking and trying to use the NWA for his own self-gain, and two, 
I've got a 20-year plan to make this the best company again. Well, I can see why you have a 20-year plan, Millie. Because it's going to take that long before that becomes his style. That's right. You know, a 49-minute wrestling show with all that interviewing and all that bullshit they did. And I think they had, what, eight minutes of actual wrestling? No, I like 16 minutes. Don't get me lying. I like the look of the Odinson character. Right. The the only thing that lost me with him was the whole spraying of the beard thing. Like, what right. the hell is going on with that? Right. I mean, I look, we, we grew up at a time when George Steele used to eat turnbuckles, but he wasn't spraying his mouth with disinfectant or whatever the hell that was. <laughs> I'm, giving, uh, I'm giving... Go ahead. Go ahead. Say what you're going to say before you that uh, get it, my, my grade. Basically, to me, my opinion that the NWA has made um, Burtis Clay, because I'm not going to call him Tyrus. <laughs> <laughs> they have made him the Brock Lesnar type guy. Yeah. And why the fuck give him the heart punch for a finisher? Who the hell does he think he is, Alex Baker? Right, right. I mean, that, he could be doing so many other things as the guy that size. You know what I mean? But, I mean, it's going to look bad when Trevor Murdoch beats him because they're putting a yeah. lot behind this guy. But I don't see and Trevor losing the world title. To me, like if he, he, like you said, he's got that 20-year plan to make it a great company again and all that. But not like this. Not No, not like this. It's not I'm happening not the, the fun thing about the NWA on Saturday at 6.05 was, yeah, they were fast matches. We got three minutes of the Road Warriors beating the crap out of the Milkies and, and, and Arn Anderson beating, you know, uh, an enhancement talent. But you've got your big talent beating up your big talent in five minutes. That doesn't help anybody. Nah. You know what I mean? Odin's son was yeah. supposed to be was built up for this TV title match. And you let him lose in four minutes where he only got 30 seconds worth of offense? I get it. We're trying to put Tyrus over. But he was already over. What's up? What are them calling him? The man star. That's so dumb. I don't get it. But in any case, I gave NWA Power a two out of five. Mainly because I was feeling generous. Because that was kind of brutal to watch this week. And like I said... I'm giving them to NWA 74, and if they don't wow me, I'll add MLW or Impact to this damn son of a bitch if I have to. <laughs> well, uh, honestly, though, the MLW, you'll probably enjoy because they have... I watch MLW. I enjoy them. I enjoy right. MLW. You know, that's how I got to see Brian Pillman, for the first, Brian Pillman Jr. for the first time and to figure out where the hell David Hart Smith's been for all this time. <laughs> you know what I mean? And uh, Jacob Fatu is one of my favorite Samoans, in, 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 in honest opinion. And I thought yeah, he should have beat and, Josh Alexander at Ric Flair's last match for the title. And uh, Cool, he's a, uh, he's from the Georgia Independent scene. Really? Yeah. Uh, it, it wasn't the same gimmick, but <laughs> yeah, I know who's underneath that mask. Really not. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the suplex assassin, uh, Alex Kane. Mm-hmm. He's uh, he's actually like I've I've seen shows where he's been on the card, so to see him get that 
that's pretty cool. To see him get that push is, is pretty cool. Right. And they're wow. getting all those boss fight studio figures for NYW, right. so that's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I think I want a Jacob Fatu and a Hammerstone. But, oh, yeah. You know. uh, so, with that being said, and we now move to my, my favorite part of the show, because I get to bitch even more <laughs> so than I do doing the actual show. It's time for Grinds My Gears. So I'm going to go ahead and light a cigarette and talk to you people about wrestling promotions that count the days of every damn title reign. Now, I just mentioned it with La Rebellion. They decided to put over that they were a 224-day title reign when they had the NWA tag team titles, but yet we both know Myself and Mark, Nate Maxson, who's a historian, will tell you that teams like the Midnight Express, the Rock and Roll Express, the Horsemen, and the uh, Road Warriors held those belts for even longer. I get doing it with Roman Reigns. The man is on a historic title run. He has had 700 days with the Universal and World Heavyweight title. He is set, He's only 300 days away from Pedro Morales, so I can understand that happening. But there is no reason to tell me that the Miz had the Intercontinental title for 37 days. There is no reason to tell me that Dolph Ziggler won the Intercontinental title and has had it 105 days. That means shit to me. You understand? That is not <laughs> like telling me when Goldberg was 178-0 or when The Rock won the world title. You know, when, when Brock Lesnar became the World Heavyweight Champion beating The Rock and was the youngest champion. That is an accolade. But holding a title for 90 days and you barely defended it twice, don't mean shit. You understand? This is 2022. The time for fake records and fake accolades needs to get thrown out of the window. I hate this when it happens in any sport, Mark. I'm going to be really honest here. When I hear them make up fake stats during a football game, like he's the first player on his team since 2005 to catch a ball with his left hand in the middle of summer. That means nothing. <laughs> That's a fake made-up accolade because you had nothing else to say during the time out. Wrestling has been doing that for the last five or six years. I understand CM Punk had the longest world title reign during the modern era of 435 or 450 days. That was cool. Thank you. When Santino Morella won the Intercontinental title and he said the honkometer and showed us how long Honky Tonk Man had the Intercontinental title, that made it cool. Roman Reigns right. having it now. These are cool accolades. These are cool trivia questions to ask somewhere down the line. But to tell me that Dana Brooke has had the 24-7 title for 16 days, dude, that title changes hands every week. Yep. You know what I mean? Okay, you want to tell me Ron Killings has held the title 78 times. That's funny. I want to hear that. That's a miracle. You know what I mean? But you're uh -huh. making up accolades in this business that don't mean anything. Just because everybody needs a participation award nowadays. Just because you want to make everybody feel special. Well, guess what? This is wrestling. Not everybody is special. If you suck, you suck. If your title reign only lasted eight days, it's because they didn't see you as a growing champion in that eight days. Well, I mean, too, if you get asked a random trivia question, it's not going to be 
something that's not noteworthy. Right. If no one's going to ask me, how long did the Usos hold the WWE Tag Team titles for in August of 2021? You know what I mean? That's not a trivia question. You right. know what I mean? In 30 years, it might be. You know what I mean? And I hate that we have to make up even further that by because we wanted to make the New Day beat Demolition because Demolition is not well-liked by the WWF or WWE anymore. We made the New Day the longest reigning tag team champions by combining all of their reigns. You know what I mean? Well, fuck, I could be the longest reigning world champion if I combine all my reigns. And I haven't had any. You know? <laughs> right. We're combining reigns now? What does that mean? But if you're going to fabricate shit. <laughs> you know? It needs to be stopped. Because it's something that doesn't need to be celebrated. Celebrate when they won the title. Celebrate when they lost the title. But to celebrate because they had the title 68 days so far makes no sense. It does nothing for yeah. me. It makes me angry. And it gets annoying because you do it every week. Like I said, Roman Reigns just hit 700 days. Celebrate that. That's fine. You, but now stop for 100 days. Wait till he hits 800 next before you tell me. You know what I mean? But you're going to give me a countdown that now I hope he loses the title. Because I just don't want to see him. I just don't want to hear him say it again. <laughs> you know? So cut the bullshit out. It's a fake made up accolade for no reason. When he beats Hulk Hogan's reign or he gets anywhere near Bruno San Martino, then I want to hear about it. Right. You know? Then I, 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 I'm okay to hear about it. But. You got anything you no, want to it, add? It don't need to be drilled all the time. No. No. Because a fan listening for the first time, like if a guy puts on SmackDown and hears that, they're going, oh, that, that's cool. Maybe I'll watch again next week. And then you hear it every week after that. They're going to go, so? Oh, great. He made it another seven days with the title that he only defended for the first time in 90 days at SummerSlam. You know, does it? It's easy to be a champion when you don't defend your title. You know? I, I agree. So, got anything else like, like that, like my friend? We, what? Yeah, uh, like we were talking earlier about the whole Roman thing. Like he, he needs to start defending it more because it's easy to have that long of a reign when you're not defending it. Right. He's but, to, uh, to defend it against Drew. Which is until September third, right? Yeah. But what really grinds my gears this week mm-hmm. is the art of selling in professional wrestling. Ah, they you just took a move that is supposed to, you know, lock the crap out of you, right? But two seconds later. You're on offense, kicking the shit out of your opponent. Right, right. If the devis- if the super kick is that devastating, how are you up a second later on the top rope doing a three, a four fifty splash? Right, or you know, or or they hit a finisher fifteen times through the match. That's why the fuck is it your finisher if it's not that first? Right, right. You know what I'm saying, like. Come on now. I'm with you. I'm with you. Selling needs to get back and be brought back into the picture. 
Because if you're going to wow me for 20 minutes during a match, 30 minutes, 15 minutes even, I need to know that you're in parallel, that you're hurt, that the reason you made a comeback was because you grunted it out and fought back better than you ever have. Like Wheeler Yuta, right. Wheeler Yuta sells. I believe that young man when he sells. Daniel Garcia yeah. sells. But there are other guys in that roster, Young Bucks, you know what I mean? Uh, 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 let's see who else. Uh, uh, Adam Page, Adam Cole. These guys get put through tables and are back up a minute and a half later. Like, what? Uh-huh. You know, don't let the Dudley boys see you pull that shit. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so. But we're going to put you through the table and make it hurt. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it won't even be sawed into. We'll just put you through a regular table. You'll have no choice but to sell it. Mark, do you have any parting words uh, for the fans at home before we uh, sign off? Uh, this week on Mark's Indy Spotlight, I have former ECW and East Coast wrestling, independent wrestling star, Chad Austin. My rival. Uh, it's pretty. It's pretty good episode. We we had fun doing it. And I'm really enjoying this platform. Uh, listen to a slice in time. Listen to, of course, if you smell what art is cooking, all that. Uh, we can't wrestle. We had really fun with <laughs> a lot of fun last night recording that one when that episode drops. Listen to it. Uh, Golden Voices and just consume this great content because we're really having having a blast with it and it shows. Yes, we are through the show. Yes, oh yes, very. I agree with Mark one hundred percent. Next week we will be back with um, AEW Quake at the Lake Dynamite. I don't know what the hell a Quake at the Lake is. I didn't know you could have Earthquake at the Lake, but okay. Um. <laughs> And NXT, NWA Power, hopefully it'll be better. Um, and uh, yeah, like Mark said, check out all the content that we have on the WrestleNet Radio and We Can't Wrestle Podcast Networks. Um, we implore you, tell a friend. You know what I mean? You don't got to like all the shows, but, you know, like what you like. Yeah, I mean, uh, if you don't like one, go on listen to the next one. If you don't like that, you're fine. Keep listening until you find something you like. Right, exactly, exactly. But uh, as always, thank you guys for joining me. Mark, thank you for joining me here this week on the show. Um, I will be back next week. As always, uh, thank you guys for your continued support. And uh, we will see you next week on If You Smell What the Arch Is Cooking. Good night, folks.